Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm James, and this is The Sleep Pod. If this is your first time here, welcome. If this is your second time here, welcome back. If you're from the future and this is an episode from long ago and you've you've trawled your way back through the feed and found this, thank you for deciding to listen to a boring podcast rather than doing cool tricks on your hoverboard or whatever it is you folks get up to. And welcome. Every episode I make up a rambling and convoluted story that is boring enough to put you to sleep. Or that's the idea at the very least. The supercomputer that I have that runs the algorithms needed to pick out a random word as a jumping off point has this week chosen the word airport. Before we get started and everyone falls asleep, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a subscribe, leave a review on wherever it is that you get your podcasts from, if that's an option. You can also follow us on Twitter at TheSleepPod and Instagram at TheSleepPodPodcast. Well, I think that's enough of a uh, preamble, so let's get started with the amble. Get yourself comfy. Try not to operate any heavy machinery. And I'll begin with this week's tale. Airport. At the airport... Natalie had a favourite window to look out of. It gave her a very good view of the runway. She could watch all the aeroplanes coming in and leaving. Watch the trucks that carry the luggage. And the vehicles used for carrying fuel to refuel planes. She enjoyed that window. She found it very peaceful there. She could spend days on end just watching people coming and going, 
and sometimes she did. It wasn't really an issue for her because she was a ghost. She was fine with being a ghost. She wasn't sure exactly when or how it had happened. She wasn't entirely sure of what her life was like before the whole ghost thing began. She had a few vague memories, a feeling that she had lived a fairly full life and achieved everything that she wanted to. So she just accepted it as extra time to reflect. Sure, it was boring sometimes, but usually she found things to do. She decided to leave her vantage point after maybe another five planes had taken off. So she watched and waited, seeing them circle in the sky above, distantly, was below. One left the terminal, approached the runway, and headed off into the sky. Then another. Then one came down. Then another one went up. And so on. She walked to the baggage area. Well, she didn't really walk. She kind of floated. That was one of the first things that she had to get used to when she first became a ghost. She didn't really need to walk. She could just move. But she found it a bit weird just standing completely still in one respect but also moving. So she moved her arms and legs as she always used to do. There were a few other ghosts at the airport. Only one of them didn't like moving their arms or legs and just floated around aimlessly. But that was Hadrian, and she didn't really like Hadrian. She tried to get to know him a few times, but even for a dead person, he seemed a bit grumpy. So she went to the baggage area. It was one of her favourite spots for people watching. Not that generally she was a big fan of schadenfreude, but it was quite fun watching somebody get gradually more and more annoyed when a bag didn't turn up that was supposed to be there. It passed the time. It was all she could do, really. Sometimes her and some of the other ghosts would put bets on who was going to be the last one off a plane to pick up the bag. It wasn't always an intense sport to spectate, but like I say, it passed the time. She'd learned a few tricks over the years, and it had been a few years now. She wasn't sure exactly how many, but probably 30. Maybe more, maybe less. It was really hard to gauge the passage of time when you didn't really have a physical form anymore. All days kind of just blurred into one. Usually she'd pick the single, lone businessman. Briefcase. Balding. He'd always be the keenest to retrieve his baggage from the carousel. Sometimes families were good. Usually a bit of a wild card to place bets on. You couldn't really tell what the 
family was like until you'd witnessed them in a high-pressure situation, which sometimes did present itself at the luggage carousel. Some families were quite easygoing, quite happy just to kind of chill out and wait for their suitcases to arrive. Others were in a rush. They had either a connecting flight or a taxi booked or somewhere else they needed to be. Then it was chaos. Sometimes that worked in their favour, sometimes against. But like I say, it was hard to know until it really came to crunch time for them. Natalie sat floating above the centre of one of the luggage carousels. A flight had just arrived from Toronto. In general, the stereotype of Canadians being polite was more or less accurate, but it wasn't really universal and definitely didn't hold up to scrutiny at the high-pressure environment of a baggage carousel at a large international airport. That was one of Natalie's favourite things about being a ghost stuck in an airport. You really got to know what people were actually like and not just the vague notions of what you expect people to be like based on either stereotypes or past experiences. She got to see them when she didn't think anybody could see them, see how they really were. And she found in general, people were pretty nice. Sure, the ones who weren't always managed to be the centre of attention, but when it really came down to it, people were generally okay. It was hard to have a jaded view of humanity when you weren't really a member anymore. Having an outsider's perspective really did change things. Sometimes she wished that the knowledge that she'd gained whilst being a ghost could be passed on to non-ghosts to give them a bit more perspective on the world. Especially for those people who probably could do with a bit of a talking to every now and then. Just a gentle nudge in the right direction. But all she could do really was watch. And learn. She watched two families argue over a suitcase. The label had been partially ripped. They were both sure that the baggage was theirs. Natalie knew the truth, though. It wasn't either of theirs. It belonged to an old man. On the opposite side of the carousel, he was aware of the argument. He would step in before he actually lost sight of his suitcase. She liked this guy. Even if his behaviour was slightly confusing, was he just messing with them? Did he know them? Did did he just like watching chaos? Eventually he chuckled, walked over and picked up his suitcase from in between the two families who both just kind of looked at him sheepishly and apologetically. That was the problem really. There's only a finite number of suitcase designs. Sure, you can put the colourful straps on the suitcases, 
there's only a finite number of those. It was a common occurrence for people to get confused over baggage. There had to be a better way, but... Natalie didn't know what it was. Nor did she really care. It gave her entertainment. And that's all that really mattered sometimes. Eventually, she wandered to the main dining area at the east terminal of the airport. Peter, who was also a ghost, was standing through the middle of a table occupied by a French family. While they ate fried chicken, Natalie floated over. In some areas it was a bit easier to float than pretend that you're actually walking, just so you don't have to avoid various obstacles, suitcases, small children. So she just floated up over some tables and chairs and living people to see what Peter was doing. What are you doing? She said to Peter. Oh, you know, bored. Natalie shrugged. Yeah, but you are just floating in the middle of a table surrounded by a French family who don't even know you're there. Of course you're going to be bored. Why don't you do something? Peter shrugged. I've already done everything. I've watched the planes. I've looked through people's luggage. Explored all those areas that are underneath the airport that people don't really know about. I just felt like floating here for a bit. said Natalie. Fair enough. Would you like to do something? She asked. No, I'm fine. Maybe later. I wouldn't mind playing Find the Heron. Oh, said Natalie. I haven't played Find the Heron for a while. was a game that was played by the ghosts at the airport. Not frequently. Not infrequently either. Whenever the urge kind of took and somebody suggested it and it didn't get shot down straight away. Find the heron involved. All the ghosts getting together in the little shop that sells ties and then trying to find the heron. At the airport, herons were the only non-human ghosts. They weren't sure if this was the same everywhere, but it was literally just people and herons. There were no dogs or cats or rats or pigeons. 
there was a solitary spirit of a heron that meandered around the airport, sometimes going through walls, but usually kind of sticking to the floors and doors. So all the ghosts would have to find the heron. As simple as that. The airport was quite large, so it could take some time. One time they played Find the Heron for about a week until, eventually, Wendy, another ghost, found the heron, just chilling out, 17 feet underground. They thought the heron had just been bored and decided to try and bury itself, but it was a ghost, so that didn't really work. It was just there, submerged, floating in the ground. After they found it, it kind of cheered up a bit then. They weren't sure if the heron was aware of the game, find the heron. Perhaps it had put itself in that place uh, on purpose, in preparation for a game of find the heron. It was impossible to really know. There was discussions on naming the heron, but they weren't sure on its gender. There was discussions on picking a gender-neutral name, but everybody got bored and just started calling it the heron again. After all, the heron didn't really mind. Nobody was really sure if the heron had any concept of names anyway. Natalie and Peter decided to meet at the tie shop at sunset and would spread the word to the other ghosts when they saw them. Natalie floated up and hung over the food court just watching, looking out to see if anything interesting was going on, any drama, any blatant drug smugglers or people up to no good. But everything seemed fairly quiet and mundane that day, so she decided to go to the duty free. She floated up through the roof and made her way over towards where the duty free was located, towards the centre of the building. Despite not being able to really feel or experience the weather, she didn't like being outside. She felt a bit too vulnerable. She thought not having a solid form could cause her to blow away or just get lost. She much preferred rooms and buildings. Even if she did have to make a conscious decision to not float through the floor and vanish. But again, that was something that she learned to deal with early on in her afterlife. She dropped down through the roof, through air vents, through the support structure through the building, and emerged in the duty-free area of the airport. 
it was a fairly big duty-free area. She was glad that, for whatever reason, she had been released from her mortal coil at an airport, especially that specific airport. There was a lot to do. And it was definitely better than being stuck in a small local airport with maybe one shop and a coffee shop or news agents or something. At least where she was, there was a very wide choice of establishments that she could pop into, have a look about, people watch. Whenever the mood took her, she would sometimes find a shop that sold books. It wasn't the easiest thing to read books as a ghost. She would have to scour the shelves, find something she was interested in, and then move her face through the pages and move her head around from left to right, down left to right to read each line. It was complicated, it was tiring, but it was something to do after all. Sometimes she was lucky and she found somebody who was listening to an audiobook or a podcast. She could move her head to the same position that the alive person's head was and with a bit of practice she'd got quite good at lining up where her ears were with where the living person's ears were. It was easier if they were sat down, obviously. And over the head, headphones were much easier than in-ear earbuds. A lot less fiddly. But she could do that and listen to whatever it was that people were listening to. Satirical news shows. There was a lot of that about. A lot of people talking about true crime. She wondered. Maybe she was murdered. She didn't think she was, but maybe there was a chance that she had been murdered. And one day she'd be sticking her head into the vicinity of somebody else's head and hear a story on a true crime podcast about somebody getting murdered at an airport. And it could be her. But it hadn't happened yet. And she was sure she would know if she had been murdered anyway. She was fairly confident that she had been quite old and it it had probably been natural causes. Although the ghosts didn't really have a physical form and they couldn't really see each other, they perceived each other in more of a a visual feeling. It was very hard to explain and she was glad that she didn't have to explain it to anybody because the only people she could talk to were ghosts and, and they knew what it was like. They were experiencing it. She did wonder what it would be like if somebody was blind before they died and then they died and then they were a ghost. Would they have vision then? She wasn't sure. She'd have to wait until something like that happened. She always kept an eye out for blind people just on the off chance that they happened to perish and she could ask them if they did end up turning into a ghost. It wasn't a guarantee. She floated around in news agents. Celebrity gossip magazines weren't really her thing. She pushed her face through a few current affairs magazines. 
usual stuff. Nothing interesting was happening. She got used to that fairly quickly. The ebbs and flows of the new cycles. Everything leveled out in the end. One of her favourite pastimes was to wait around the area where large novelty chocolate bars were on sale. You know the type. Massive things they were. Just to see what kind of people actually bought them. Quite a few people as it turned out. It just seemed really cumbersome having to carry a large triangular bar of chocolate and nougat through an airport. And even Natalie knew that you could buy the same thing off the internet for a fraction of the price. But then you couldn't say you got it from an airport, which for some reason added value. Something still baffled her. She looked out of the shop, through the crowds of slowly ambling people. Thought she'd better check what the time was. So she floated up and had a look. The sun was still out. She had a bit of time before she needed to be at the toy shop. So she floated back down. Had a look to see what novelty flavours they were offering at the coffee shop today. The whole pumpkin spice thing had really caught her off guard. As a ghost, she didn't really have a sense of smell and she definitely didn't have a sense of taste, but the whole concept of pumpkin in a coffee just seemed bizarre. What next? Parsnip tea? Aubergine hot chocolate? It must have been in between seasons because there wasn't anything too outlandish at the coffee shop. Just your usual mix of caramels and hazelnuts and milk alternatives. She floated back towards the main corridor that ran in between the shops. Up ahead, she saw Craig. Craig was also a ghost. She waved. He waved back and approached. Hi Craig, she said. Hello Natalie, said Craig. We're going to play Find the Heron later. Oh, okay. Where and when? Sundown at the tie shop, said Natalie. Well, said Craig, I'll see you then. I've got to go. I'm following a man who is definitely smuggling. Oh, what's he smuggling? asked Natalie. I think it's cheese, he said. Oh, is that something that needs to be smuggled these days? Natalie inquired. I'm not sure, said Craig. But he does have an awful lot of it in his hand luggage. I want to see what happens next. 
I understand, said Natalie, and Greg departed, following a man in a trench coat, with a large hat, carrying a large bag. She ambled about a bit, did some more paper watching, watched the staff at a restaurant, she liked to keep an eye on them, she had an interest in food safety curiosity of what pastors acceptable level of standards in some establishments airports were known for being hubs of dining excellence but at this one restaurant she definitely expected better and some of the things she'd seen oh well she didn't like thinking about them and that one chef Well, he better hope that he doesn't die and then get turned into a ghost. Because she would have very stern words with him. She checked the time again by popping her head above the roof. The sun was almost touching the horizon at the far end of the runway. Planes were still coming and going. So she dropped back down and headed towards the Thai shop. She was the first one there, so she had a look at the ties. They were all very boring, apart from a small section which had over-the-top novelty ties, illustrating the antics of animated characters. She didn't think she'd actually ever seen anybody buy a tie from the shop and was quite surprised how it managed to stay in business. The woman, stationed at the cash register, looked very bored, and was leafing through a gossip magazine. Natalie was just about to float over and... see what was the latest word in the land of celebrity, when Hadrian appeared, and did a motion that was the equivalent of eye-rolling Natalie sighed and floated over to him. Hello, Adrian. Natalie, you're here to play Find the Heron? Yes, yes I am, she said. Adrian looked at her, 
called something that sort of sounded like a thanks. But she didn't make a big deal about it. She was used to that from Hadrian. Eventually, the others turned up. Peter first, then Craig and Wendy, and then Al. Mart was the last to arrive. He said he'd been busy. But when asked what he'd been busy doing, he didn't give a straight answer. Natalie decided to keep a close eye on him in the future, just out of interest to see what he was actually doing. So, said Peter, shall we play Find the Heron? Everybody gave fake nods. Okay. So, first one back here with the Heron wins. Wendy raised her hand. I've got a question, she said. Sometimes the heron is complicated to move. This was true. While ghosts cannot interact with living things or non-ghost things, they can have a level of influence over other ghosts. Two more ghosts could only fight by exchanging barbed insults. The amount of effort and concentration required for one ghost to actually hit another ghost was fairly substantial, and nobody really could be bothered to do that, unless they were really, really cheesed off. The problem with getting the heron back to the tie shop was that sometimes it was quite happy to follow another ghost, but occasionally it much preferred staying exactly where it was. You couldn't even tempt it with food. Well, said Peter, if that does happen, at least it will kill a bit more time. Everybody shrugged. This was true. So, said Hadrian, shall we get started? Everybody agreed, and then they dispersed. Al and Peter floated up straight away. Their favourite tactic was trying to get a bird's eye view of the airport, because a heron is a bird, and that might provide an advantage. But often, it didn't. Wendy dropped down and checked the last place that the heron had been, underground, amongst the foundations of the building. Natalie's tactic was just to float around. First, she did a lap of the duty-free area. She checked all the kitchens in the restaurants and the bathrooms. She checked the luggage carousels and the area behind the public area where luggage is loaded onto the carousels before going to the runway she floated around weaving in between planes occasionally she'd dip below ground level 
just on the off chance that the heron had dipped below ground level in the same place. It was very hard to find a heron that was submerged in the ground. She had a check on a few planes as well. One plane which had been stuck on the runway for about an hour, waiting for permission to take off. Everybody on board was a little bit annoyed. But there was no heron. She saw Hadrian floating through a fuel tanker at the other side of the runway. Well, she thought, at least she doesn't have to check there. She didn't like looking in fuel tankers. It was a very strange experience. Passing through solid objects was much better than viscous fluids. She decided to head to the control tower. First she checked the stairway at the base, and then the large, wide spiral staircase that ascended to the top. The main room at the top of the control tower was filled with people drinking coffee and looking bored. She checked under a few desks, looked in a cabinet. You could never tell with herons. They were sneaky birds. Or at least they were as ghosts. She hadn't had much experience with them beforehand that she recalled. She was about to head back down towards the runway when she had a thought and ascended through to the roof. And there, half perched, half submerged between a solar panel and a drain pipe, was the heron. The heron looked at her and tilted its head a bit in confusion. Natalie smiled. Come on, let's get you back to the dye shop. The heron made a hollow honking noise as she wrapped her arms around it. It seemed compliant that day and went along with her. So she floated back along the roof of the airport and then descended. The complicated part was making the heron stay with her outside the tie shop. She had to engage with it constantly, waving her arms around and talking at it. Most of the time it seemed to ignore her, other times it was fascinated by her. She didn't know what was working, but she carried on doing her haphazard, throwing everything at it plan. And that seemed suitable. Eventually everybody else came back. Once word got out that Natalie had found Aaron, she was congratulated. Wendy was a bit annoyed. She wanted to establish a winning streak with Find the Heron, but not this time, maybe next time. They all went their separate ways, disappearing amongst the crowds of people, going through walls and through the floor, until Natalie was left. She decided to return to a favourite window to watch the planes coming in and going out, silhouetted 
against the soft dark blue night sky, the lights on the plains idly blinking, she watched one by one and gradually got smaller and further Sleep well.